स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रमझम सुन रहे हैं आपका शब का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ी में बात दोपहर के दो बजकर सात मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेकर तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गप शप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नजरों में अटकेंगी अटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए की ग्लोरियस डे आउटसाइड इट्स बी ब्यूटिफुल कल बरसात होगी मूसलाधार नहीं लेकिन हल्की फुल्की बूंदाबांदी जरूर होगी रिमझिम रिमझिम और एंड आई थिंक वी नीड दैट क्योंकि फॉरेस्ट फायर्स का जो इस समय पूरे कनाडा भर में खबरें आ रही हैं दे आर दिल दहलाने वाली हैं बट आई थिंक इफ वी गेट लिल बट ऑफ कूलर वेदर एंड एंड सम रेन आई थिंक एवरी थिंग वुड बी बैक टू नॉर्मल Yeah, I mean, have you seen what New York looks like right now? I know. Insane. It looks like someone was saying it looks like the apocalypse. Yes. So, that is just And that's just terrifying. the that's just the 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 air that's going yeah. there, right? I mean, and there's no fires going on in in New York. No, I it's coming from Canada. From Canada. Yeah. Canada's burning. Yep. It is. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the east is 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 getting like, "Oh my god, there's all this smoke here for the first time," whereas the west coast has been screaming for a few years like hey we've been on fire every summer this beautiful voice is of om arora who is our guest today uh, om um tell us something about yourself you are at the moment working i know yes i am immigration i am yes i'm a, i'm an active rcic currently i'm oh I've, rcic yes it's the a regulated canadian immigration consultant ho ho i've just become one in the past i guess 2 years ago i got my license and i right. i've started my own firm i'm working at another firm gaining lots of experience and yes. it's been it's been quite interesting and rewarding to learn so much and other than that i've just been living my life and enjoying the sun <laughs> so that's how you know uh, about all the the fires that take place in the western canada right yes yes okay so a couple of things that are very interesting in news and both of you were talking you and maya were talking off the air and that was uh, something happening with a uh, uh, funeral home yeah so there was recently a bo- broadcast on cbc a uh, concern post from a funeral home in canada speaking about an increase in mental health tragedies for international students in canada And so this was geared towards the South Asian community where we have seen a rise of students and other migrants who have unfortunately lost their life due to mental health tragedies. But this is not exclusive to just those from South Asia or international students. There's a multitude of socioeconomic factors that are leading to a rise of these misfortunes in these communities. You know, Flight and I were talking about this actually on the drive home grind because there was a 21-year-old woman who had committed suicide over at um that waterfall that's in Ontario, I think. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Niagara Falls. The Niagara Falls. Yeah. yeah. Okay, me Canadian, I don't even know the Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> What is uh, me not me real Canadian and know about Niagara Falls. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I have not. Um but yeah, so she actually committed suicide there, but all of these news articles from India were saying that oh she fell off. Oh she slipped and fell into the Niagara Falls. So everyone's like how? How is that possible? Later on did we get the news that she actually committed suicide because, you know, she was here as a student so maybe being a student here is just so tough for immigrants and that that is what kind of leads them to that right is it that do you think is what what 
would lead yeah. this? Definitely. I think that's a definitely a main reason. I think there's like a plethora of re- ranging from like cultural pressures to the obvious rise of cost of living. Like I know the quick response is that, you know, if you are moving here is, you know, integration is necessary, so you should be ready for that. Or that when you are coming to be an international student, you have to show some sort of funds. Uh, to be able to support yourself. But it's not necessarily always that easy when you look at the context of these people's lives. Students, you know, if you're doing a part-time job and you're working or in school full-time, that's not easy. Now, Mm. some of these kids will be trying to work full-time, school full-time, and then, you know, grow and experience new things in a new place. It's, It's very, very difficult when you're not necessarily integrated and understanding where you are. I was just picking up uh, some equipment from uh, Longwood McQuaid on Terminal Avenue, and there is a college there, mm-hmm. uh, Columbia Col- College, Columbia college yeah. full of our kids, yeah. all students from India. It is just amazing to see them. Okay, so they've just come from India. Their attire is just like it would be in India, but very quickly they try to, fit should in. I use, yeah, fit in, assimilate. Yeah. Or, or integrate would be the right word, but yeah. they try to assimilate, mm-hmm. which is probably very difficult. It is, yeah. You know? So I think that might not be a bad topic for us to discuss today mm-hmm. because committing suicide and taking your own life, there has to be a few reasons for that. And I guess in this young woman's case was her parents probably spent, sold everything to get her to come to Canada to study. She couldn't get something done um, and she couldn't return the money to because parents do think that their children are going to return the money. Yeah. We had a young woman who was working for us. He was, she was a student here and she was, out of whatever money she was making, half of it was going back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you live on And that? then the other half probably just to rent and then you have like a couple dollars to scrape for groceries. I know. Yeah. So how do you do it? I mean, that's why some of the kids were going to the Gurdwara. Mm-hmm. And and then the Gurdwaras were getting uptight with them. Oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. so I was getting a little concerned about that. I understand that, you know, um, the Gurdwaras were feeling that these kids are coming here every day and probably are not doing any work, no seva, and just eating and throwing the stuff away. And some of these kids are from very rich families. They, mm-hmm. they don't know how to, you know, yeah. wash their own dishes or whatever. <laughs> but... It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So in your profession, you probably see this a lot. Yeah. I think that I do, uh, you know, quite often you'll see people here, they'll come here with no necessary intention of actually integrating at all, which is sometimes unfortunate. Um, You know, I'm really, really glad that we have these strong diasporas around the city. You know, you have Surrey, which has a beautiful South Asian diaspora. Richmond has a beautiful East Asian diaspora. There's a good Iranian diaspora in North Vancouver. And I love it. You can go there. You can get some great food, culture, be part of things, learn so much stuff. You can get feel like home for a lot of people, which is super, super lovely. However, I think it is a little dangerous if you are from these ethnicities, you go to these diasporas and you never leave because you have a lack of integration amongst other people. You're not really getting the full experience of moving to Canada. And that just creates more of a division between someone who is already living here and also wants to get to know you and also wants to get to know your culture. Mm. So I think that also plays into it. And you see that little bit of a divide between people and all that. Mm. 
And we were also talking about how expensive it is to go to school here. Like yes. when I was at BCIT and I'm looking at how much I pay versus how much the international students are paying, it was like double or even triple, triple the amount yeah. of what I was paying for the exact same education. And that yes. is just like so hard because one, they're coming here from a different country. They don't know who is around them. They can not they, obviously they can kind of speak English, but it's harder for them. Plus, they are like trying to fit in with everyone else. So mm -hmm. you're right. Like there are a lot of things that you have to consider when you come in as a student, as like what 18, 19 years old, mm -hmm. to a brand new country with these new people who have lived different lives, and yeah. then you're paying so much money to be That's here. Right. It's a lot of stress to put on such a young person. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that uh, immigration consultants in India are telling them how difficult their life is going to be here. Yes, 100%. Unfortunately, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think immigration consultants here are doing that either. It's yeah. quite a saturated business, um, yeah. and there are a lot of amazing, amazing consultants yeah. out there who really do care about their clients. But at the same time, there's a lot of consultants who really don't. They mm. just want to get you know, their fees for getting the application done. And once the person's here in Canada, well, you figure it out yourself. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I totally understand. You do have to figure out yourself in a lot of ways. It's not mm. easy at all. Um, immigrating somewhere is the ultimate discomfort to some mm. degree. So you're already taking all these big steps that are, you know, if you haven't done it, you're kind of just, what are you really talking about? You don't know at all what they're feeling. But at the same time, you want, you know, there to be those services and someone to guide you, understanding that, you know what, we're here with you, we'll figure it out together, instead of maybe being pushed into some sort of isolation. So you said that you're working with, a, with an immigration uh, consultant, and you also have your own business. So what is the name of your business? The name of my business is AOA Immigration and Business Consultants. Okay. Yes. And the company that you're working with right now? I'm working with Agni Hotri Immigration Consulting. Perfect. We're going to take a short commercial break and come back. Maya, if you want to stay with us, uh, you're more than welcome. But I understand if you, if you say, no, I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't talk like that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, no, I think I will go. <laughs> Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Spice Radio और Radio Namjoon सुन रहे हैं हम गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारे साथ आज ओम अरोड़ा हैं जो कि इमिग्रेशन के साथ साथ और भी बहुत सी चीजों में इंटरेस्ट रखते हैं ओम वी वर टॉकिंग अबाउट द द प्रोफेशन दैट यू आर इन करंटली इमिग्रेशन रिसेंटली वी वर टॉकिंग टू दिव्या अबाउट द 700 स्टूडेंट्स हु वर ऑर्डर्ड हु वर गोइंग टू बी डिपोर्टेड बट दे 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 आर नॉट डिपोर्टेड येट या because they're doing more research into it. Yeah. When you read that story for the very first time, as an as a immigration consultant, what was your thought on that? I thought it was quite unfortunate that we have people really trying to undermine the system that we have. Mm. I think that the immigration system in Canada has a lot of faults, but it is built to actually include and be exclusive, inclusive of people. Uh -huh. um, and unfortunately, when you have institutions, especially those that are not necessarily like that, those were admission letters that were fake from right. someone in India themselves. So someone outside of the country trying to undermine our immigration system only makes our own country look bad, mm. which is unfortunate. We have the highest amount of immigrants in Canada coming from India. So when you have things like this, it just makes you question what else is going on that yes. you might not know about. Um, at the end of the day, what I also think about immediately is those people. Out of those 700 people, I'm sure there are a few people who may have not known what they were doing and that it was not, you know, a f real letter to some degree. But 
then again, we don't know their situation. Maybe they really just needed to get out of the country at the time. And mm. what can you really say? But at the same time, there's definitely a lot of those people who did not know at all mm-hmm. what they have was a fake letter. So when mm. they did their permanent residency applications and it came out for that to be fake, these people already had jobs, were integrated into the system and were living their lives as Canadians. Mm. So it's unfortunate to see the varying degree of what people were really going through when things like this happen. And unfortunately, it's more common than you think. This story was quite big because it was one nucleus with mm. the one person in 700. But fake documents um, from all countries are, are you know, quite... Uh, there. Yeah, it, they happen quite often. I don't want to go into details of this because... But it does fascinate me that... You know, so you you go into these 700 lives, and how did they, when they found out that, oh, there is no college here, what did they do? Why didn't they go to the authorities? I guess they must have talked to somebody, and and other people said, just forget about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... We'll find out more stories about... We will. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people may not understand that. Yeah. um, You know, certain places around the world, you can kind of bribe institutions, you can bribe, uh, you know, authority. That's not necessarily the case here. Mm. Um, The rule of the law is quite cemented. We, you know, we take it seriously. Uh, The Canadian immigration laws are there in place for a reason. So sometimes for those people, they might think, you know, it's not a big deal. Mm. They may not understand what realistically is the land of law here in terms of those policies. So, uh, you know, for those to say, they, I mean, it's a very, very unfortunate learning lesson. From people from... uh India, majority of the students that come from India, I know are from, as far as India is concerned, rich families, uh, well-to-do families, and they've got maybe not liquid cash, but they've got assets mm-hmm. that they, um, you know, uh, get money against and send their children out of the country for them to eventually settle somewhere else. And, and if they could, they would also want to come with them after yeah. they've settled here. So that is the ultimate goal Definitely. of these people. Okay, so keeping that in mind, I don't think that is a bad idea. People want to move to different countries, and mm-hmm. Canada does need immigration, yeah. and Canada does do a lot of promotion of people. If you want to come to our country, we, we, we will let you in, yeah. and this is what we want, this is what we are mm-hmm. lacking, this is where you can fit in, and things like that. Having said that, out of all those people that have come here, some of them probably are from very hand-to-mouth families Mm -hmm. that probably are not in a position to work and and they have to work and send money back home so that whatever loan they've taken, at least the interest can be paid. And probably more stories like this will come out of this whole episode. And it is human story, and that's what interests me, yeah. as to who, the ones who are making money off of these poor kids, mm-hmm. what sort of karam are they incurring for themselves? Um, is there any way you could rephrase your question? It, it's, it's a very heavy-duty philosophical question. I mean, no, definitely. I want to give the know, right answer. So what are they, whatever they've done, they know it is not right. Yes, Aren't they afraid of the consequences? I think so. I really think so. But at the same time, for some people, I don't think they understand the impact of those consequences, what they really mean. Um, For a lot of people who are maybe the people who are the nucleus are selling these fake documents or or, you know, being aware that what they're partaking in of buying a job or something is, is illegal, 
they may be in a position where they really feel like there's nothing better they can do. They might be so lost in their country and they might be so lost in where they are that they feel like this is the only way out for them. Now, that's no justification for breaking the law or what they're doing, but it's really, really important to understand the context of these people's. Each person's story is quite different. So I think that when you come into a point of, you know, what someone's karma is, one person's karma is very, very specific to their life, their (laughs) their intention, what they believe, why they did what they did, and, you know, how it turned out. Yeah, and, you know, you're right. You're right. It's a very varying degree of guilt and right and wrong. Definitely. Varying degrees. Definitely. And I do understand that. But there is right and then there is wrong. Yes. Right? So that is black and white. Yeah. And so something like getting a fake document being given to the person, I know that you can't clap with one hand. So the person who's making the fake document, the person who's accepting the fake document, both of them are at fault. Definitely. Yeah. But my question comes in that the fake document has been produced, but the one who's getting it doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the dichotomy comes yeah. in. Yeah, no, and, and there are people who will go through that. And I think it's important when you, you know, before any of those situations happen, to be vetting all of the stuff that you get. Uh, yeah. in terms of documents and, and trying to really see uh, where I can verify uh, if this is truly some sort of credible document. Unfortunately, it's not that easy for everyone. Hmm. So you see right now one of the um, first cases in terms of this 700 um, people that got the fake letters, I believe one of them had their deportation stayed. Hmm. Now, that's not necessarily going to be the precedent for everyone, but they were able to prove that they truly had no understanding that this document was fake. Hmm. But that burden of proof is not easy at all hmm. for people to show. Um, I do think that it's, it's like I said, it, it, you're right, it's varying because someone can do a small, small mistake, but have very, very, very big consequence because mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. whereas some people can make some very, very terrible decisions and be able to fly by and, mm. you know, never have to face the consequences of it. That's regardless of if they understand the guilt or not. 700 kids. I mean, how many people were in it to make tons of money off them? Because I know that for them to even come to Canada and make an application, what, it's $900 or something like that, to put up. What is the cost of for someone to, to come from Canada to make an application, how much does it cost you to make an application? Yeah, I mean, there's government fees yeah. itself, which are a uh, few hundred dollars. There's the consultant fees if you're going through a representative. There's fees to apply for the school itself. Those are varying fees. And there's so many fees within that, right? Like sending your transcripts over. Um, if you're going to a school in India, you know, having to um, uh, get like WESs, which is um, World Education Services. What they do is they see if what you're schooling that you've done in another country is of any value in this country. All these things cost money. English exams that you have right. to take. IELTS um, or something like exact that. Exact IELTS or, or uh, Selpip or anything. There's lots of, lots of, lots of costs that, you know, really start you to incur, add up. Even exactly. before you get the immigration. Bef- exactly. Before you even get the approval. Ah. Before you even get approved. And then after that comes the whole cost of schooling, tuition, dorm, you know, wherever else you are. You might have to pay rent or food. These are quite quite expensive so you are right there are people who um you know india is a billion people Mm. so their wealth gaps are very very different there's a Mm. whole different set of economies there so there are a lot of people who 
spend all of their money they save up so they can send their kid to study abroad there are all these kids who come from rich families and they can depend on their family to get them back but you're right there's a lot of kids who are having to pay back those loans to their parents because their parents did all they could they saved up all their money for them to go here there's a lot of pressure on these kids because they're like you know what do i do the onus is on me to have to do something about this i see um indian kids that come from well to do families but have to return money back because you know well to do families also took loan on their mm-hmm. homes and their farms and whatever and then i see um students from places like china or hong kong or korea um that come with so much money that they rent places in ubc their dorm rooms which are what 2500 to mm-hmm. $3000 a month they pay for that they have enough money that they get every month from their parents for food etc and they are here genuinely to just study yeah and that's it yeah they're not going to be working the 20 hours they're just going to be studying yeah and then they will once they they go through that then they will start working that is a totally different class of students than the class of students that we have in our community most Don't you think so most definitely i mean i think there's obviously exceptions to all the rules but that does seem like a quite um an often thing that's happening with a lot of students they'll come here and they'll have to take that part-time job uh in order to pay pay back all these things and you know some of them will be living in housing situations that aren't necessarily the greatest for them or overpacking um and a lot of them also when they're working may not understand their rights yes. uh when they're working that's uh, right. because they come from a place in which they might be easier to be taken advantage of here once again when it comes to your work safety laws the land of the law you get the onus uh workers are protected in this country and unfortunately people don't know that and when you're an immigrant it's very very easy for you to be taken advantage of because you don't have that information isn't that so heartbreaking we're talking to om arora who is in immigration and has a huge um you know knowledge bank in in his brain if you have any questions do give us a call at 604-280-1200 604-299-8863 you also mentioned in the beginning of the program that you're very interested in arts and so many different things and i remember in, when you were in high school uh you know the improv was something that you were very interested in are you doing that at all um am i doing it at all currently on my own a little bit yes. uh i'm i'm doing a little bit on my own but i'm not doing anything with any other communities just yet but ah. i will be getting back into it and vancouver has quite a large one of the largest in the world actually improv yes. communities yes. so there's no reason for me not to get back with like-minded people and enjoy myself yeah i think you you should be able to do that <laughs> we're going to take a short break and we will be right back with om arora स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रिमझिम सुन रहे हैं आप कप शप का प्रोग्राम है ओम आज हमारे साथ हैं ओम व्हाट अ लवली नेम यू हैव गॉट हु गिव यू दैट नेम मम और डैड एक्चुअली माय 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 फादर माय मदर नेम मी अक्षित एट बर्थ एंड देन व्हेन वी मूव्ड हियर इन नवंबर 2005 राइट बिफोर आई वेंट टू स्कूल दे डिसाइडेड टू स्विच माय नेम बिकॉज़ दे वर अफ्रेड दैट पीपल वर नॉट एबल टू प्रोनाउंस माय नेम माय नेम इज स्पेल्ड ए के एस एच आई टी सो दिस इज हाउ पीपल वुड से अक्षित अक्षित नॉट अक्षित सो अनफॉर्चूनेटली दे चेंज्ड द नेम uh and my dad called me om since birth he's calls my sister whose name is megan oma oma um so he always i've never heard him call me akshit since no. birth he's called me om and to this day i've never heard my mother call me om, om. yeah she calls you akshit and it's just super normal to have these two names and then you it. you answer to both of them equally equally yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Actually, you maybe are... I respond to my dad more, but just because he's a little louder, <laughs> just because he's a little louder. So I hear him. No, I think you've got a split personality. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> now, um, um, when you wanted to get into immigration, what is it that prompted you to get into this field? It was almost fluke. Yeah. It was very much so a fluke. Mm. It was last minute. Um, I was in one of the last, uh, now the regulated program is a two-year-plus program. I was in the last one of the last six month programs. Oh, okay. so I got it because I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to um, be able to learn a new skill, um, you know, also a, some sort of means of, right. of support. Uh, and it was really, really random how I was in it. While I was really in it was when I was re- like in these classes, I was realizing what am I really studying right. and what can I do with this? And there are a few things in immigration while I was studying that caught more of my interest and that I'm not specialized in yet. But if as long as I'm staying in this, I can see myself gearing and moving towards that direction. So can you talk a little bit about what all is um, included in this immigration? So yeah. what is it that, that uh, apart from, you know, there must be varying degrees of immigration as to uh, people coming in, visitor visa, mm-hmm. uh, emigrating here. Yeah. Um, educated people, business people, and and so many different categories. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, there's all the the temporary classes, you know, people coming here to study and work and and visit. And then obviously from there, it turns into people who are trying to find permanent residency. And when it comes to permanent residency, there's the most often, which is express entry, which is a point system in which people um, use points with age and education and work experience, Canadian work experience, to be put inside of a pool, to be given a shot of having permanent residency. But there's actually lots of programs and pilot programs that are out there that are targeting specific um, occupations, specific areas in Canada that either need those occupations or need more people. Um, so you'd be surprised. Unfortunately, these these all these programs aren't as promoted as much because they're very much so smaller and they're looking for specific candidates. So it's hard for someone to find out if they actually necessarily fit in those without maybe speaking to a consultant who is aware of those. So in your field, then obviously you probably have to continue keeping yourself up to date with whatever is is uh, is the need of the hour. Definitely. I mean, the, the regulations are, you know, constant, not constantly changing, but they are updating. And there's new programs that you have to be, uh, you know, wary of to be able to consult someone and, and give them that idea that, you know, they could fall under this program. But at the same time, it's also the needs of, of, of the world. And if you're doing something like business you know, immigration. So some people invest in businesses and they move here. And that's one way that they're able to come to here is maybe starting up a business. Um, But it's not necessarily that any business is being able to be started up in places that are mostly populated like BC or uh, in Ontario. They're looking for specific types of businesses Mm -hmm. uh, to be uh, proposed to them and those will get approved. So it's not necessary that for every single place, it's going to be the same. So you do kind of have to be up to date with what the market is and what maybe uh, would get approved. I remember uh, some time back, and, and I'm, I'm going back to about, say, 15 years ago, when the Conservative government was in power, um, they changed the sponsorship uh, package. Uh, earlier, you could sponsor your parents uh, to come here with their... And that package has been sort of not discontinued 100%, but reduced. And, yeah. and there is now a quota system in that, yeah. right? So do you, in your mind, as a consultant, 
Do you think that was a good thing but for the country to do or do you think that wasn't kosher for the the community? I think it was good, but I don't know necessarily if it's been executed oh. in the manner in which they probably would find is the most efficient for them. Right. Um but at the same time I think that is also a, a learning, you know, experience oh, yeah. for them as well. Yeah. Uh luckily none of these programs or or these regulations are are set in stone and can't be changed or anything. I do think that um a form of a cap and quota can make it uh, a little bit better in terms of uh getting the number that they want. Yeah. But not necessarily in terms of how they pick and and or having a random they try to random lottery system yes. and all this stuff. Yes. It's not necessarily always efficient. There was a time when with this where before the lottery system too they also had who can upload the first. Right. Right so it'd be like who can wake up earliest, have their Wi-Fi system yes. top notch and yeah. you know get the get the application out first. Yeah. That necessarily doesn't seem like they're trying to go for the candidates that fit, right. fit best. So I I do think sometimes the execution isn't necessarily always right, but right. I guess they need to don't, don't knock it till you try it to some degree. <laughs> I think they are also trying exactly. which one works for them or not. Exactly. When you look at the immigration of this country, I mean it's a huge country and yet the livable area in this country is very small yes and and uh, it's a it's a new country it's a young country and it needs maybe many different people to come and populate this place yeah. uh so at the moment what is the need uh, as far as immigration is concerned what is the government looking for what kind of people is the government looking to come into it i mean we we also started taking refugees mm-hmm. uh, from different countries um you know syria ukraine mm-hmm. uh, african countries and, yeah. and so on and so forth so after taking the refugees and after uh, setting up a certain number of people that can come in what is the need of the hour i think that the canadian government needs to focus on the infrastructure to yeah. actually be able to uphold all the immigrants that are being brought in right unfortunately we don't have um housing yeah that is set for people the amount of pe- the people who are already living here are right. already lacking housing we have yeah. a big big housing crisis um our road infrastructure mm. um you know because of these things or even our transportation where we keep, we have these smaller and smaller areas that are even more and more densely populated because we don't have things like a uh, high speed trail right. rail system uh flights are not the most efficient way to travel across no. so i think that because of this it actually causes the types of people you have in canada already the occupations that they have and what we really need yeah. and we see that with all these densely densely populated areas things like healthcare right yeah. now we need people from healthcare yeah. um unfortunately our immigration laws are not set in a place where we allow a lot of people who have um healthcare um schooling from other places easily transfer that over here. Right. So it 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 depends even the things that we kind of need it's not easy necessarily to have that here. Wow. Canada is always looking for highly uh, educated skilled workers right. uh, and young workers. That's yeah. what they always want. They want to continue to progress this country and be able to keep building it, building it, building right. it. Um however that's not necessarily always easy to know exactly where you're going to get from people. When you look at your crystal ball <laughs> and see uh you know the the way the country has been i mean i know the immigration department has been changing its rules and regulations looking at what they can get and what they have been able to get you've just mentioned that the infrastructure in this entire country needs to be upgraded definitely to a certain extent you've also mentioned and we we look at 
the health system and the hospitals they're not enough mm-hmm. not enough schools etc yep. etc et yep, yep. so if the government stopped getting immigration in and started looking after that uh, there won't be many people working for the government to get enough money to be able to put into housing and infrastructure yep. so don't yep. you think it's a no it's it's definitely catch 22 situation it definitely is a catch 22 system uh, system which is why i think it's important when you look none of the political parties in canada are against immigration yeah. they all want immigration not necessarily in some of politicians eyes for the right thing they may just want to have a high uh, gdp <laughs> uh, maybe but at the end of the day our country needs immigrants mm-hmm. we have lots of places that would not really f- work their systems would collapse without immigrants being there mm. you need them working jobs that a lot of people don't want to work right. um you know there's lots of skills there's lots of culture um that comes from these people that really make up what canada is today we're talking to om arora uh, who is working in uh, immigration uh, is a consultant um we're going to take a very short commercial break and when we come back um we'll open up the telephone lines and have people ask you questions if anybody has any questions do give us a call spice radio radio room jim sunri aap ka shop ka program hai om arora aaj hamare sath hai you know we're talking about the students who come here and they are i would like to call them the backbone of the working class they work very hard some of them have got an attitude what can you do you know <laughs> nah, that's okay but the ones oh i i must uh, relate this incident i was coming back from um i was coming back and i was at the airport and yeah. there was a woman sitting there who had three big suitcases on a you know uh, trolley yeah and she's sitting there she'd come um from india i guess um maybe a flight half an hour 40 minutes before our flight got in and she wanted to go outside i think she was this was probably the first time she came here and 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 she would ask her to be taken outside and nobody would help her so uh, a person came up and and he said yes i'll take you outside to the car wherever your car is and it'll cost you 60 dollars and she was like i can't i'm not going to pay you 60 dollars to i don't have 60 dollars yeah so then so she looked at me and she saw you know i can talk to her i went to her and i said how can i help you and she said i need to go outside and i need someone to take me outside if i had known that she just wanted to get out because we were all picking up our luggage and getting out i could have just taken her there so i called the the manager the manager came with the south asian young woman who probably was a young person student who was maybe working there and she was so rude so very rude and i said you know why is somebody asking her to pay 60 dollars to take her luggage outside ma'am you don't have to shout at me i am not shouting at <laughs> you i'm asking you a question yeah and i'm irritated because yeah. that's not the thing to do so i think i think the attitude of people is very important definitely know? and and you you i usually do feel that people who get to get to a position which is a position of authority in their mind they become a little too unsufferable unsuff- yeah and that is something that i think needs to be checked in 
Definitely. I agree. And I think it's unfortunate because I think that overall Canada has very nice people. You have a lot of people who oh. are, would help people seeing That's someone right. on the street, you know, picking up something heavy. It's unfortunate because places like an airport are so go, 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 go. You see that mentality come out where people do not care. They don't Nobody want to cares. help. Nobody it's cares. just about getting where they need to get. It's and also, it's almost like going to Costco. <laughs> No, actually, <laughs> there's 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 a uh, quite uh, a hard time coming in and out of Costco sometimes. I do love Costco though. Don't get me wrong. I don't have to say anything about it. I don't go to Costco, <laughs> <laughs> but I do hear horror stories. Oh, I just wanted to uh, you know talk about the well-being of students. I mean, um, the opening story uh, that we talked about the mental health. Yeah, and I think that is you must probably be thinking about that as well a lot. Definitely, you yeah. see it. You see it every day. I feel like many international students come to Canada. They face a great amount of loneliness. You know, they're not having their family around. Yeah, uh, not having the support systems that they've relied on. There's a great sense of isolation that can be felt amongst these people. Um, I was born in New Delhi, but mm. I never really lived there for quite a long time. Yes, at all. Um, but I did visit, and yeah. where I lived, a lot of places are like that. They're very densely populated. Yeah. Um, you could walk out at middle of the night and you'll see someone walking. Hmm. Um, here, that's not necessarily the case. There's afternoons in the winter where by afternoon when you're done school, it's already that's dark right. outside. Yes. So it's super hard sometimes to right. make friends. And, and, you know, there's a lack of places in, in BC, I would say, to go and hang out there. You don't have to spend an outrageous amount of money sometimes, yes, you know. It's, right. There's not a lot of places. So it's hard for a lot of students to actually get themselves to have a good time sometimes. I urge a lot of these kids to see in their institutions if there's clubs, yeah. councils, sports teams, even if you're not good enough to be in the school sports teams, almost all of these schools will have intramurals, you know. There's lots of um, things that you can take a part in that you would never realize might be something that you would be called towards. And I think uh, also another very important aspect of all this can also be how the community that's living here can make life easier for these students. Um, I, I am not asking all the businesses or all the community gurdwaras or mandars or masjids to, to sort of, you know, start embracing them. Mm -hmm. But they have a responsibility towards them as well. Most definitely. And organizations that, that are cultural organizations should also be in a position to be able to talk to these people. I think there there should be a and I and I'm using the word should. How can I say should when I haven't done it myself, <laughs> right? But I think there could be areas where people can go and meet. Uh, there should be probably a organization of all the students that can get together, and maybe businesses could come together and say, okay. Definitely. Well, we would like to help you. This is why you see the online communities for a lot of people be a solace of safe space. I mean, yes. I don't think that being online forever is something that anyone should do. No. Live in the real world, please. It's amazing. But there's a lot of people who may not have the real world being kind to them in any way, even if yeah. or around them. Yeah. So they'll go in the community online. They'll find a place where like-minded people are, are talking and speaking, and they'll find a lot of safety in that. And that's amazing. I wish more of these places existed in real life. And that really ranges for all age groups. Um, I've just graduated from university. And one of the greatest things about for me in university is I like 
not necessarily talking to all these people or anything, but I like seeing people around me. Right. There's a lot of energy to bounce off of, to pull oh, from, sure. and to really use. Um, and being in an institution, you could just walk onto campus and you could right. see people, you could take parts in things. When you're outside of all these institutions, when you're not in school, if you're not you know, doing a lot of things, it's really hard to meet new people. Yes. You know, maybe at your work you'll see some people, but it might just be the same people. And even if they're great, you want to be able to learn new things, grow. Right. And there's a very, very, very lacking amount of places that, you know, not not everyone wants to go to a club or a bar on the weekend, you know, and, 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 and drink and spend money and, and dance, uh, you know. And I, don't get me wrong, that's a very fun time. I'll, I'll right. enjoy doing that every once in a while. But right. if there were more safe spaces for people to just hang out, meet people, I think that would do a lot of good for the world, um, especially in these communities. I, I, I really feel very sad for the young people that that feel that they need to take their life because there's nothing, there's yeah. no out for them Definitely. Uh, in this sort of a situation. So probably I know that there are organizations like PICS, et cetera, that, mm -hmm. that come out and do help uh, young students. Yeah. But I haven't had an opportunity to talk to anybody who can say, yes, we would like to come out and help these young people yeah. or, or form an organization yeah. that would help them. Well, I think you're right when you say that it's up to the people who are also already living here to be yeah. able to, to open their arms, be yes. welcoming, um, you know. Um, like immediately, by the way, I suggest for any international students who are facing any sort of mental health crises, um, most likely there will be on your institution some sort of counseling or mental health services that could help you. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately, the discourse and the acknowledgement of for mental health can often be non-existent in many families and communities. And this is definitely prevalent in South Asian communities. I mean, and I understand, um, you know, uh, it might not be normal to ask for help or it may be interpreted as a form of weakness because one has been taught to suppress their feelings. However, mental health and counseling services are provided in most schooling institutions in Canada for a reason. It is okay to not feel okay. It is okay and often much needed relief to students and to promote and ask for help. We, we, we want people to ask for help. It is promoted. Unfortunately, though, it's a culture thing amongst people. We're having a lot of grassroots organizations within schools that are calling to, hey, we're here, you know, we can hear you, we can lend a helping hand. But unfortunately, it's also the people who still see it as a sign of weakness, especially in our communities. You know, you can say to a lot of South Asian families right now, oh, I went to therapy. And they'd be like, you went to therapy? Like, will that show up on your record? Or, yeah. you know, like, are you ill? And it's like, why are you even saying it in a negative tone to begin right, with? <laughs> right, right. Um, I think uh, all these pressures also, um, you know, push people. This young woman took her own life, but the other ones probably go into drugs and uh, and and drug dealing mm -hmm. and be and become members of gangs. Definitely, that's another worrying point yeah. for young women and young men too. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the facts in front of me, but I was reading, um, I mean, during the pandemic, we had a rise in obviously gang activity within British Columbia, which was unfortunate. But a lot of the time, the people who are actually getting shot and killed and, and hurt by these aren't the people who are running the gangs themselves. They are just the messengers. That's right. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of these messengers are people of color, who are in low poverty areas, international, you know, who are getting taken advantage of because it's easy to prey upon these people mm. to join your gang, uh, join your, you know, you can offer someone something who is, you know, needs something, but right. it comes with a catch, right? Yeah. Uh, and these people may not understand 
exactly what they're getting involved to. If you're trying to eat, you're trying to eat. Yeah, I think I think some students do understand what they are getting into, but it's such a murky water that it's they don't even know how to navigate in it. Yeah. You know, so Yeah, I mean I also think there's definitely a lot of times where you'll see a small minority of of groups of of groupthink that causes it and makes it a lot worse for other people. There was a recently an incident not too long ago at uh, a parking lot in Surrey right. in which, you know, often <laughs> parking lots are a place for people to hang. Right. And at first, and, you know, when I was younger, I maybe not understood, but I, I would be lying if I have not sat and by my cars and hung out with friends and talked for hours standing in a parking lot. Right. Um, but there were times where a small group of kids came, were loud, were, were you know, having lots of trash around right. uh, and dis- being very disruptive and it ended up ruining it for all of the other people that were also around there hanging out and meeting up. Right. It's maybe some unfortunate that you, you, there's a parking lot that has to be the meetup for some people, but we'll make it work. Who cares where it is? Where people want to hang and talk and, you know, in a nice manner and not disruptive. That's amazing. They should do that. But it's unfortunate that you'll have small minorities uh, sometimes of people within these diasporas that may do some things that ruin it for everyone else. Well, that's a topic that maybe we should continue talking on. And, and have other people join us Definitely. and participate in it. Om, I think um, this is the beginning of a, of a nice way of uh, taking these conversations ahead. What do you say? I, I, I agree. I would love that. I thank you very much for coming today to the studios. Yes, thank you for having me. I urge everyone to try one time in their day-to-day and meditate a little bit. Oh, meditate. That yes. will be another thing. <laughs> so if people wanted to talk to you, what number could they reach you at? They can reach me at 604-721-9333. Oh, that's a very easy number, 9333. Yes. With that, we come to the end of our show. We will be here tomorrow. And it's uh, Friday, so I'll be doing numerology for all of you. So do join me tomorrow. Um, stay tuned for the Drive Home Grind with DJ Flight and Maya. Right here on Spice Radio. And your requests on Radio Rim Jim with Nutan.